fear is a totally normal emotion, but if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And so I'm, I'm not scared of no's. Alexa, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We're with Alexa Meyer today, the co-founder and CEO at COA. Um, but we'll hear all about her her career and how she got to what she's doing. But uh, it's always best to hear it directly from you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, and thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I've been a fan of what y'all are doing at Teal for a while. So I am Alexa. I'm the co-founder and CEO of COA. And our mission at COA is to help people be as proactive about their mental health as they are their physical fitness. And what we do is a gym for mental health that offers therapist-led emotional fitness classes that teach people skills like resilience, confidence, mindfulness, communication, all grounded in experience that feels more like going to maybe your favorite Peloton class and less like going to a stigmatized clinic. That's all. It's such an awesome mission. And just sort of from the sidelines, watching you guys build it over the last few years, is it's been amazing. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into some of that. All right. So I'm curious when... I noticed it seems like you worked all through school um, and so work is something that's been very present for you, just like the, how, how quickly you've ascended through your career and all the cool things you've done. So when, when was like the first time you really started thinking about your career and like sort of <laughs> what you wanted to be? Yeah, I love this question. Well, I think so. One of the things that I did is I was a very frustrated as a, as a child. I was always like coming up with creative solutions to perceived problems. And one of the problems that I faced, I think I was like eight years old or something, is I had too many McDonald's toys. They were like overflowing in my playroom. And so I was like, what can I do with these? I don't really want to throw them out. Like I didn't, that felt wasteful. So I made a price list for them. And then I went around door to door seeing how much money I could make selling my old McDonald's toys. And I think that moment was the first moment where it's like, I would love to have my own business one day. Like this is super fun doing everything from like creative strategy, like how am I going to market these toys and make them really appealing to the people at the door to how do I price them? Like some were worth more than others for like, who knows why. Um, but the second, the second, Thing I started to think about when I started to think about my career was it's actually related to what I'm doing now is I had a family member that I when I was 10 years old I learned had unexpectedly passed from suicide and as a 10 year old you don't really understand like what that means exactly um, but what I did know is that they were having you know emotional challenges that you can't necessarily see and they were struggling in some sort of way I'm like well where does somebody go to take care of the challenges you can't necessarily see with the human eye. Like, is there a doctor for that? And through that kind of line of questioning, I learned about the discipline of psychology and learned about the practice of psychotherapy. And as a young 10 year old, I was like, well, where are they? I'm like, I don't see them anywhere. Like on the street, like you see doctors everywhere and you see gyms. I was like, where do the therapists work? And I learned that you know, often they were in these like dingy offices sometimes, or it was like really stigmatized and a really hush hush thing. I was like, well, I don't think that is very cool. And I was like, I'm going to become a psychologist and I'm going to start my own private practice that is you know, a lot more accessible and modern feeling than what I'm seeing out in the world today. So fast forward, that was like the first time I thought about like, what do I really want to do with my life and career? And that sort of shaped some of the decisions I made later on in school, which we may or may not get to. But um, yeah, I think it was a combination of the McDonald's toys and the learning about the discipline of psychology. And that was completely like self, 
like initiated? I mean, were, were your parents entrepreneurial? Were you, uh, it, how, where'd that yeah. come from? No. So my, my parents aren't entrepreneurs, um, but I do my family. I was exposed to entrepreneurs. Uh, my mom's side, they're pretty entrepreneurial. So I think maybe like indirectly, I saw that, you know, there is something to doing your own thing and, and starting your own business, but not directly. Like my, my parent, my dad worked a pretty like corporate job and just sort of like, even in other ways, like I would, I was always the person who was coming up with creative challenges for me and my friends to play like I came up with like a detective game where everyone had a role and there was like an assignment and there was folders that I would give out to people to solve the challenge or there was a swamp challenge where I was like let's go find the best swamp in the neighborhood and like see who can come out of it with the most like discoveries um so I think that there is just always this draw to I don't want to say doing things my own way but like just doing things differently or and infusing creativity into, um, activities. So it feels like when you went to school, you found like the perfect major, you focus on the right stuff, at least the way you wrote it on LinkedIn, yeah. business, consumer behavior, and cognitive psychology. Yeah. Did you have to like craft that? Did you look for a school <laughs> that had that? Like, how'd you do yeah. that? Yeah. So First, I went in just as a psych major and I wanted to craft psych and media. And this is in, I started uh, undergrad university in 2007. So this is when Facebook was like just coming on the scene. And I was like, this could be dangerous. I was like, people are getting, like I already saw my friends were getting super addicted to Facebook. And I was like, what is the intersection between what I called at the time computer mediated communication and its impact on people's psychology and mental health. So I actually tried to force a psychology and media major, but the school wouldn't let me do that. So I was like, all right, well then I'll do psychology. And I added on a business uh, set of classes, which I ended up really enjoying applying an understanding of human, make, human emotions and human decision-making to how people fall in love with the brands that they invite into their lives. So yeah, it was kind of like a Hodge together degree, but then there was also like a really specific um, specialization around behavior that was a good intersection between the two, psych and business. Oh, that's awesome, and it's uh, like it's, it's not for everyone, but I just think that there's something around building your career and having an intentionality and not just sort of being okay with what get, you know, kind of owning it is, is I think a, a big part. So, all right, so you you studied that. That was you kind of crafted this thing that really was at the intersection of all your interests. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I think you were working through school. I did. Yeah. I worked um, a couple different jobs. One of them was like, it was like a, it's not a sexy job, but I was essentially like admin for a uh, insurance company. Um, and then I also just had some like server kind of jobs in the summertime at golf courses and things like that. And then I did a lot of volunteering as well. All right, so you work through school, you get a lot of interesting experiences, I'm sure. And then, all right, now you're making your, let's call it like first career, no, it's, it's all a career. I think it all counts as the career and I don't yeah. think we change careers, I think we build them. Um, yeah. But let's call it like your first job, like, you know, out of school job. Uh, and and kind of like what, so, so walk me through that. Like what, 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 what happened there? My very first job, okay. So my very first job was an intense sales job out of school. So I graduated with a, a double degree in business and consumer behavior and psychology. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with it. I was like, do I want to do go the finance route and like 
try to take some of my corporate finance skills and like go work at Goldman Sachs, but that seemed kind of awful. Um, and so I just started like looking at job boards and one job I saw was, um, a events company that was looking for salespeople to sell basically sponsorships. And my side job, I was volunteering for a not-for-profit that was doing a lot of work in the tech and entrepreneurship world in Canada, up to and from, uh, selling sponsorships. So I was like, oh, I can apply my skills selling sponsorship for this not-for-profit that I was doing pretty well at and like use that to pitch myself for this role. And it was essentially a boiler room job, like literally dialing for dollars. But instead of selling like, you know, something that costs $10, we were selling ten to fifty thousand dollar sponsorship contracts and we would try to get people to sign on the dotted line within one call it was called a one pitch close and so that was fun but it was like people burnt out of that job very quickly it was like very intense um and so through that job i actually got recruited i don't think this was on my linkedin because i wasn't there very long but i got recruited by one of my clients and they said hey we want you to come sell for us like because you did such a good job selling to us, we want you to do sales for us. And so I was like, okay, cool. So I sort of took it on on the side, um, but then realized like I wanted to learn more about marketing and brand strategy. I was really interested in that. And so my second real job post-school was working at Interbrand, which is the world's largest brand strategy consultancy where I got to work with Tiffany and Barclays and Visa and really understand how Fortune 500 companies build brands and build marketing strategies that keep them relevant. Um, in the, in the hearts and minds of their consumers. Then I know, you know, one of the things you, you told me in advance of this was, you know, the kind of transition from Canada to the Bay Area, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, Toronto has an incredible tech scene and a growing tech scene. I'm curious, like, how involved you were in that. But, you know, obviously, I think we all saw, like, Silicon Valley is, like, if you want to have a tech career, that that's where you do it. And yeah. it, it feels like you had that in your plans, you know, it doesn't seem like that was an accident. So kind of how'd, how'd you make that jump? Yeah. So here's a lesson in just saying yes, especially when you're early in your career. Um, I got a, this is when I was still in university. I got an email from my business strategy prof and he was like, Hey, there's a business and tech conference happening in Toronto. Like you should go. It's about startups and technology. And you seem interested in that. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I went to that conference while I was still in school um, and I met the executive team who were a bunch of students also my age running this not-for-profit that ran this tech conference. There's a startup competition. There is you know, all the classic startup stuff we now know is like pretty pervasive. And I was like, I want to help. I want to join the team. So I joined that exec team for the not-for-profit after I'd graduated. And it was a volunteer role, but that was my break into the tech industry where I met tons of people who are all now like founders and living in San Francisco. Um, even while I was at Interbrand, I continued to volunteer for that organization and just really expose myself to startups and venture capitalists and all of that. And at the time, Toronto's tech scene wasn't as good as it is now. It was like just getting started. Um, so it was, for me at the time, I was like, I want to be in San Francisco where all of this is actually happening, um, which was in 2014. So how'd, how'd you do that? You went from yeah. being at an awesome brand strategy uh, company working with super cool brands, you know, yeah. in Toronto to be like, I'm going to the Bay area. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of hustle and grit. So I was like, I have no startup experience, right? I was working at this big consultancy doing brand strategy for Fortune 500 brands. Like no startup gave a fuck about that type of experience. Um, but I really wanted to apply what I had been learning and a lot of my interest in marketing at the time to an early stage startup. So 
I just started using my network. I asked people who had moved to San Francisco. I was like, hey, do you know any founders who are looking for a first marketing hire? Like, here's my skill set. I did work for free to prove that I knew what I was doing. I started a Shopify site actually to prove that I knew a little bit about paid marketing. I was like trying to sell posters. And then I used that experience to like interview well for growth roles. Um, and anyway, long story short, I ended up with two offers, one in San Francisco with the company Keen.io that I ended up working for, and then one for uh, a company in New York that was a much bigger company at the time. Um, and I ended up taking the Keen.io role. I mean, I was lucky in that I had a full-time job at Interbrand while I was like doing all this side work and volunteering. So I lucky in the way that I like could take on free work outside of my core job because I had an income. Um, so that was coming from for sure a place of privilege. But the second thing is I saw them as a learning opportunity. I was like, I know I want to jump into this field of startups that I like on paper have no real experience in. And I don't actually know that much about. And so for me, looking at a free up for uh, unpaid opportunity, I was like, am I going to learn from this is one, but also who am I going to meet? Sometimes you do things for free because it builds your network. And I knew, for example, volunteering for the not-for-profit organization that was really embedded in the tech community was going to be great for my network if I wanted to bring into technology, break into tech. So those are like the two lenses I used when evaluating whether to spend time on a free thing. You're at Keen. Yeah. Bay Area startup, smaller than whatever the big opportunity was you had. Yeah. And I think you did a lot of different things there. Um, so like how little were they when you got there? Talk us through a little bit of, of, you know, your, your time there and some of the opportunities you were able to experience. Yeah. So they were seed stage when I joined, I was the very first marketing hire. I think that one of the first like non-technical hires. So the company was three co-founders who were all really brilliant engineer starting a very pretty technical company. It was a developer tool for analytics. Um, so my first role was coming in as a marketing role. And then as the company grew, we went from series A led by Sequoia. Then we also raised a series B. I ended up being VP of growth and revenue there. So I was overseeing both our self-serve engine and we added on an enterprise function. So we were selling corporate deals and then also thinking a lot about product growth and like, how do we make it easier for developers to use the product? So I did a lot. Um, worked, I think, with almost every member of the team at some point across marketing community and the founders. I was running our board meetings at some at one point, uh, and then the engineering team as well. So I just learned a lot about fundraising, learned about about managing a board, learned a lot about growth and growth can be hard sometimes, sales, and also culture and people people management and and growing a team. And I think a lot of people fear startups, especially one that little. Um, they just mm -hmm. raise funds, so maybe that kind of de-risks a little bit. But yeah, you know, to be in companies that small, I think sometimes people compare those to big opportunities, like like you did. But you gave it the value that things were beyond, like the stability and like the learning opportunities. And it seems like you got them. Like what what were some of those experiences that you gained by joining a startup that maybe you wouldn't have had you joined that bigger company? Yeah. And I think I knew that I one day wanted to work on my own company. So that was a big lens informing, like joining an early stage thing where I was going to get to work directly with founders and also get to know our investors versus joining something bigger where I'd be, you know, focused on one part of the, just one part of the company. So part of it was like, how much can I learn from being here so that when I start my own company one day, 
I will be armed with a lot of the information and uh, aware of the trials and tribulations that come along with any early stage company. Um, and then the second, I think, is just at that age, like being really risk averse. I was like, I could either like continue on this corporate path and try to like optimize for salary. But to me, and this is personal, like that was a path to like apathy and depression, like just not feeling like I was trying to do something um, bigger and more meaningful in the world. And so the opposite is like more stress when you're at a startup sometimes. Um, but to me, like less less of a risk of feeling apathetic and sad and like I'm selling myself short on my potential. You got to experience a lot of things. You talk, you know, board meetings, fundraising. Mm -hmm. How much of you getting access to those things was like you pushing for it um, versus you being uh, brought along for it? Because I think there's like nuggets of advice here for people that join startups because uh, startups sometimes operate at such a fast pace that it's not an intentional, uh, like, leaving out. But sometimes yeah. you have to kind of, like, fight and claw to get in the room. Again, not because anyone's trying to ice you out, but it's just, like, they're moving so fast. So I'm curious for you, because you sort of came out at, at, on the other side of it in a really productive way, how much of that was you sort of creating those opportunities for yourself? Yeah, I, I worked really hard. Uh, but it was less about me being, like, I want to be at the board meeting and more, like, I... I, was, I think I was probably the most annoying employee for our, our CEO because I was just always being like, here's what I think could be better here. Here's what I think could be better here. What about do this? Hey, I spun up this project because I noticed this problem. So I was just being really proactive as an employee. And I was also really passionate about the company. So when that particular opportunity to like go from, I think it was like the title was director of marketing to VP of revenue, they were like, Alexa, they just, they offered it to me. Um, and I honestly was terrified at the time. I was like, I, I'm like, I can't, I can't go to a board meeting. I'm like, I can't prep for this board meeting. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. But um, they're like, no, like you're like, we're confident and we'll help you and all of that. And um, so it was a combination, but I was definitely showing that I was working hard and had, I think, good ideas about the company's direction and how we could influence it in a positive way. So curiosity. And, yeah. And like I ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Question like one of my superpowers, I think, is asking a lot of questions. Um, and so that I think that was definitely helpful. I felt terrified underneath, but I, I just took action. I was like, you learn through action. So don't overthink it. Just take action. And the people I knew I was working with supportive people. So even if I was making mistakes, along the way I had, I think the, the company had a level of psychological safety that some companies just don't have, to be honest. So um, I think the combination of just act, try things, and either there'd be a positive result or you'll learn from it and then you can course correct. Um, the other thing that I use, I think this is like a Jeff Bezos framework, but if I was making a really big decision on marketing or growth strategy or sales or whatever, I would think, okay, how easy is it to implement this thing that I'm thinking about implementing, what's the risk of like it being a damage to the brand or the company and how reversible is it? And so the easier it is to implement, the lower the risk and the higher the reversibility, I would just go, I wouldn't even think about it because it's just like, if it doesn't work out, you can easily change it and the damage will be minimal. Yeah, I think that Amazon, they talk about it as one-way doors and two-way doors. Yeah. 
if it's a one-way door, it's like, okay, we better stop and like really think about this because you can't go back in. But most decisions are two-way doors. So that's a great, great framework. If I can undo it, it's like, it's fine. It's, it's yeah. uh, not, not, a, not a big deal. You know, a lot of people wrestle with this decision of like starting their own thing. A lot of people talk, oh, I'd love to start my own business one day. But a lot of people don't, like the, the stars don't align. Um, but you were able to iterate your way into, you know, what is now an awesome company doing really cool things, helping a lot of people. But you had to take that first step. Um, it was a big career decision. So can you talk us through kind of how you were able to do that? Yeah. And so back to what I just said around taking action, it really started with taking action, like just trying things. And so what I was seeing in the tech news, this was in 2017, uh, close to 2018, just like the pervasiveness of common mental health challenges. So burnout, stress, anxiety, relationship conflict, existential questions, like people not being happy in their career. Um, that was happening within me and it was happening within my peers and colleagues in the country at large. And I was like, okay, well, like nobody's actually getting the support that they need. Like therapy is, was still stigmatized at the time and really hard to access. And then things like common headspace were coming on the scene, but they were like, not for everyone, meditation. And it's like a single player experience. And so I was like, well, you know, what if there was sort of something more accessible, like a gym for mental health, just like we have Barry's Bootcamp and SoulCycle and all these great brands. Like, what if there was that for mental health? And I was like, well, how can I test that? Like before like going out and building this model around it and raising money, I'm like, how can it be tested in a way to see like, do people actually want this? Um, and so I came up with the concept of like a mental health pop-up, which was like an in-person event where people could come try out therapy, do a class, like learn a skill around mental health, and then all of it would be in a community setting. So there'd be tea and reading material and all of that. And so through that, that's where I met my co-founder, Emily, Dr. Emily Onhall, and she was on her same, very similar mission on emotional fitness. And so we started collaborating together on those pop-ups. But the first thing was just saying like, well, can we get people to show up to these? Will they pay for them? And then will they, what will the outcome be? Um, and they went really, really well, but we did 10 of them before we even thought about making COA into an official thing. Did you leave your job to start that? Or were you doing that sort of nights, weekends while you were still employed? Because I think that's a lot of, a lot of people think that everyone's just got to kind of like up and go, but I always like yeah. to hear like how it, what's the, how'd you, you know, how, how'd you do it? Yeah. So the first two pop-ups, I was still at Keen. So I did them like nights and weekends. Um, and then they were going well. And I was just like, I want to give this my full attention. I want to give this a real shot. And so I left after the first two pop-ups keen and then started really putting full-time effort into it. And that's where really we started to do like, we did like eight more, we did a corporate one, we were making like some revenue, like bootstrap revenue. Um, but yeah, I think that was a really important step to take to really see through, see out the proof of concept, but you can start side projects initially without having to leave your job. Yeah. That's, that's kind of been the framework I've used is like when this is occupying more of my subconscious than my job. I'm yeah. not being fair to myself and like not being fair to my job. It's like, this is what I'd rather be doing. Like assuming I can afford to do it and all those things, you know, but as yeah. soon as like those boxes are checked, it's like, okay, cool. This is, you know, where I want to go hundred percent of my time. So, all right. So you, you got the pop-ups done. You had, you're going to do this thing. You got a co-founder. What, what was kind of like, yeah. what was the shift from pop-up to business? Yeah. So from pop-up to business, we were like, we were just doing 
tons of them. And then we were getting requests from companies to do them. So we're like, okay, there's a corporate angle here, even though we didn't do any outbound to corporations. They were just like hearing about the consumer pop-ups that we were doing and employees were coming to them and they were going back to their employer and being like, hey, I went to this really cool mental health event. I think we should do it for the whole company. So that was a really cool sign of like, we're being pulled in a certain direction. And then Emily and I talked about like, what does this look like to be an actual business? Like what does a gym for mental health permanent look like? And that's when we decided let's raise money for it and make it a reality. And so this was pre COVID and the original plan was to first open up physical spaces. Um, so sort of like a WeWork meets a one medical group meets a Barry's bootcamp, but for mental health. Uh, and then start to, once we establish like really good footprint physically, start to scale digitally through with the classes later on. And you know, we know what happened with, with COVID, but uh, we raised pre-COVID and then had to totally pivot the business model with the everything going on. So tell us how it's, how's it going now? So it's really, really, really fulfilling what's happened. But I think it's because, you know, COVID's brought as terrible as COVID has been, it's brought this amazing silver lining where one, the stigma around mental health has dropped dramatically to us forcing us to go digital sooner than we had planned to. We've been able to serve people all across the country, all around the world and help them with their mental health and emotional fitness. Um, the other thing that's happened is like, as I mentioned, with the corporation sort of like pulling us in, we focused entirely on consumer, but as a result of people actually loving what we're doing, we've been pulled into organizations that are now bringing COA classes to their teams. One of our customers, they've actually incorporated COA classes into the uh, employee onboarding, which is very cool because it's now like one of the first touch points an employee has with this company is a emotional fitness class, which really signals to them. as like, oh, this is a company that really cares about proactive mental health. Well, cool. Well, tell it. I mean, that was awesome. Thank you. Um, I think there's a lot to learn from your career. I think there's some like cool leaps you've taken um, and some really interesting things for people to learn from from how to do it. Um, entrepreneur and, I, you know, we're trying to get people that aren't just entrepreneurs, you know, folks that have worked yeah. and then eventually do it. You know, kind of my rule is more of their career has been working somewhere. And so I think you still technically uh, check, meet that criteria. Um, yeah, and sure. then it's a back and forth, right? That's kind of what, you know, I've started companies, they got bought, I became an employee, I left again. And so navigating those things that, that come along in the career are, is key. But thank you so much. If folks want to learn about you, Koa, Emily is also great to follow on Twitter. She's yeah. brilliant and funny. Um, t tell us how, how we learn more about what you're up to. Yeah, so I'll shout her out first because her Twitter feed is like the most helpful feed ever. So you can follow Dr. Emily Onhalt at Dr. Emily Onhalt on Twitter. She shares really helpful psychological content and concepts. You can follow Koa at Join Koa. So that's J O I N C O A, and that's also our website, joincoa.com. You can sign up for any of our classes with the code TEAL for a discount. Awesome. We will link uh, all those great links in the show notes um, so you can get those. Um, Alexa, thank you so much. Um, it's you know the first entrepreneur that we've recorded. Cool. Uh, so I'm really excited for people to kind of get that path uh, of this, of kind of to see how, how careers can evolve. You've done so many cool things. I mean, a lot of things that people struggle with, you know, re uh, relocating to different countries, uh, going through that process, working at startups, working at big companies. So lots to learn. Thank you so much for sharing your career with us. 
Yeah, of course. Happy to help. And um, just on the visa thing, you could probably do a whole episode on how to get into the U.S. as a non-American for like how to navigate the new visa process. It's not easy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, maybe when we'll do episode two. Well, it's actually probably changed yeah, yeah. since you did it, but yeah, uh, another yeah. topic. Yeah, another topic, another time. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Thanks, Alexa. Okay, bye. And that's it for this episode of Nonlinear. If you enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe, share, and rate us wherever you're listening to the show. You can learn more about Teal on our website, tealhq.com. That's teal like the color, T-E-A-L-H-Q.com. Or follow us on social media at teal underscore HQ. Thank you so much for joining us. And please tune back in to keep hearing about how we make the decisions that shape our career. The Teal Career Paths podcast is produced by Rainbow Creative with senior producer Matthew Jones and editor and associate producer Drew McPowell. You can find more information on them at rainbowcreative.co. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.